Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. I'm talking with Medicare expert Peter Stoner from Stoner & Company. Okay, I love, I love this. Your guide for the Medicare maze. Okay, so we're being guided through the Medicare maze. It will take another seven months to do that, but we only have another hour or so, <laughs> folks, kind of given the story here. Um, our telephone number is 781-837-4900. If you have a question that's Medicare-related, uh, that's the special number, 781-837-4900. And very quickly, uh, we're sponsoring a seminar that uh, Peter is speaking at, uh, McNamara Financial Services. Uh, seminar is Tuesday, October 16th at Station 8 in Marshfield. Uh, all things Medicare. And uh, let's see here. If you want to call the lovely Miss Mary Beth at McNamara Financial Services, our telephone number is 7818372010. Again, a Medicare Seminar, Station 8 Marshfield, Tuesday, 16th of October. That's about a week and a half. Uh, uh, complimentary cocktail, singular, seeing as I'm paying for this, and hors d'oeuvres uh, at 6 30 uh, and uh, at seven o'clock the seminar will start promptly so if there's anything we've said that's piqued your curiosity today well hey a little drive to marshfield and you can take care of that folks okay so where do you want to go from here well we were talking you about savvy medicare shopper yeah, you okay right. <laughs> we were talking about um, medicare part d which is the prescription piece yep 
that's the piece where you typically see a lot of graphs and the piece that gets most confusing. Yeah, okay. So I mentioned that um, in order to enter the coverage gap, also known as the donut hole, that one has to have retail cost of prescriptions of $3,750 this year. And then once that happens, they hit the coverage gap. So it's not uncommon to see someone that goes along during the course of a year and say hits October and their statement tells them all of a sudden they've entered the coverage gap. Code red. This is this is when it hits the fan. Yeah. And so now what happens instead of paying a a prescribed copayment, now all of a sudden they're responsible for a percent of the actual retail cost. So what will happen is once they've entered the coverage gap, their out-of-pocket costs spike sometimes dramatically. Okay. And a lot of the uh, analysis that I do for people is to see if, in fact, they hit the coverage gap. And if so, when would they hit the coverage gap? And then, so what are some of the strategies to avoid it? And sometimes, uh, in fact, the first thing that I do is that I look at their most expensive prescriptions and see if I, if they're available through Canada. All right, go hunting where the ducks are. That's okay, right. Okay. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're going to hit the coverage gap, you really start to have to get creative. Is this legal? We can buy stuff from Canada? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. no, it's legal. It's okay. perfectly legal. It's, it's mail order. Okay. Not all of the prescriptions are available through Canada. Wow. Okay. Not all people are comfortable purchasing their prescriptions through Canada. Okay. But those are, that are, if they can avoid the coverage gap, I just give them the option. Wow. I have no vested interest in in whatever they do other than I'm trying to find them the best value. Some people take advantage of that. Some people don't. Huh. Okay. But I mention it because it's a strategy. I view I view Medicare as a strategy. Yep. So okay. the case is, all right, so what's the best strategy for me? And if I hit the coverage gap, I would buy the prescriptions from Canada. I asked my own physician about that. He said he didn't see any problem with it. I know a lot of people who have done it. Uh, and uh, it's not that I'm recommending it. I'm just suggesting it yeah, as an alternative. It's an option. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So once somebody has, if they take really expensive prescriptions, and all of a sudden during the course of the year they have about $5,000 out of their pocket paying for prescriptions, they then enter the phase that's called catastrophic care of Part D. Then all of a sudden the cost of their prescriptions drop dramatically. Okay. So now all of a sudden, rather than paying um, a, a high percent of the retail cost of the prescription, they'd be required to pay a relatively small copayment or five percent of the cost. Okay. But again, five percent of a big number can yeah. still be a, yeah, a big, big number. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just thinking about how big the computer has to be, the government has to track all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming when you start thinking about the record-keeping with this stuff. Well, on the, on the Part D, the record-keeping is done by the Part D company. Okay. So okay. They're, they're the ones that will send out the, the statement that say, uh, you know, this is how much you spent okay. during the course of the year. And, um, but it, it is quite an, an oh. undertaking. Oh, my gosh. And, and, yeah. But people are wise to open up those statements and actually read them, yeah. pay attention to them. Uh, they're also wise to have a projection done before the year even comes 
to be able to get some sense of am I going to hit that coverage gap? Yeah. Okay. And and if I am, how can I minimize the damage? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we've been through. All right. So we. Holy cow, uh, <laughs> folks! This is a call-in talk radio show. I'm a little surprised we haven't had any calls. We usually get some here. Seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. If you have a Medicare-related question, this is your special day. Okay. So where are we going from here? Well, one of the things that I've noticed is that when I have a conversation with somebody about Medicare, they don't have all their questions uh, in our first conversation. So uh, what I'd like to tell people is that they can uh, reach me also through my website, okay. which is www.stonermedicare.com. So right. that's stonermedicare.com. And um, there's a way that you can reach me e- email-wise through the website because I find that the questions don't bubble up automatically. They kind of bubble up once somebody gets involved in a situation and needs more information. Yeah, there's not, there's not a need now, but it pops up later, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, but uh, I do want to stress to people, um, one of the things that we mentioned earlier, and that is, if you know somebody that's in their 80s, and they've had, had the same plan, drug plan, most especially for years, that I would advise them to have somebody take a look at it you know, another place where you can take a look at it, in Massachusetts, we have what's known as SHINE counselors. SHINE stands for serving the health insurance needs of everyone. Okay. It used to stand for serving the health insurance needs of the elderly, but they determined that elderly was a discriminatory term, so they changed that to everyone. Hmm. But essentially, it's everyone who is Medicare eligible. And they have those uh, uh, counselors at the Council of Aging or senior centers. You need to make an appointment with them. But uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm pleased to look at your prescriptions. You can also do that with a Shine Counselor. Okay. You can also go on the Medicare website, which is the www.medicare.gov that I mentioned earlier. Now, um, prescriptions are a sensitive thing. So sometimes people don't want uh, somebody else to be aware of what prescriptions they take. Okay. It's very confidential information. So whenever we deal with that, we always shred the information afterwards. I have a woman uh, who works with me. Her name is Kathy Barniak, and Kathy worked uh, uh, for over 20 years at Tufts Health Plan. I mentioned earlier that I worked there for well over a decade. That's where I met her. But what I find is that sometimes a woman will contact us and say, you know, I'd rather that Kathy look at my prescriptions. And sometimes a man would rather have me look at their prescriptions. To us, it doesn't matter. We're pleased to do it. But I wanted you to know we have the capacity to to, uh, have a man look at a man's prescription and so forth which is a little flexibility that sometimes make people makes people that feel t- that t- t- a little more comfortable. Yeah, I, yeah okay. I guess it is a pri- I, I guess it is a pretty private kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Okay. You know, it's some sometimes uh, you, you you certainly don't want that information to be public knowledge and that's why we we don't uh, we don't store those uh, prescriptions. You know, we make sure that everything is shredded. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and confidentiality is a is an important part of what it is that we do. Okay, but um, I think that what I would like to stress is that this is the time of year when you're going to get inundated by information, and this is when it gets particularly uh, confusing. 
I find that when somebody has read all the information that they've received, most of the time they've done a lot of reading that hasn't been helpful for them because what they've been reading um, isn't pertinent for them. For example, I notice you have a brochure there, Mike, from a particular health plan, and it could very well be that your doctor doesn't take that health plan. So you could read that entire brochure and think, gee, this is a wonderful plan. I'm done with my research. I'm done. (laughs) And yet you call your doctor and you find out from the doctor that they they don't even take that plan. Or or you call your doctors. Right. (laughs) They don't take it. It So you've just wasted your time. Yeah. Uh, And I'm talking specifically uh, about a Medicare Advantage plan in this instance, because each and every one of them have a network that has to be uh, researched and a network that you have to go through in order to access your care. And so the bottom line is, if your doctor doesn't take a particular health plan, but you know all about the benefits and you think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread... Well, the bottom line is it's not going to do you any good if you want to keep your primary care doctor. And the vast majority of us do exactly want to do that. They want to keep that particular uh, Medicare Advantage plan. So I I think, um, you know, I could go a little bit into the history of Medicare because a lot of times people think, uh, well, Medicare was introduced in the 1930s. The reality of it is Social Security was introduced in the 1930s. Medicare was introduced in uh, 1965 and became effective for the first time in 1966. It was part of Lyndon Johnson's uh, Great Society. And I remember in 1965 when Congress was debating about it, I was a senior at uh, Newton High School and Medicare, frankly, didn't make my screen. I mean, I had no, I have no recollection of this momentous occasion when Medicare was passed because I was an 18-year-old kid and yeah. could have cared less. Yeah. But I recall thinking back on it years later that in 1965, my mother's mother was about 82. So she was already on Social Security. Um, She did not have Medicare until it was passed. She did not have a lot of money. And as a result of that was kind of uh, living hand to mouth, if you will. I remember I had two grandmothers. One would send me presents and the other one, my mother's mother would send me articles from the uh, St. Petersburg newspaper on uh, things that she knew that I enjoyed because she couldn't afford to actually buy me stuff. And so when Medicare was introduced in 65, that was a godsend yeah. to people like uh, my, my mother's mother. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, now we're challenged, years later, we're challenged with keeping this program alive. Yeah, yeah, we sure are. And yeah. the difficulty is, well, we're living longer for one. And... Uh, that's put a big strain on the system. The other thing that's put a big strain on the system is the baby boomers. All of a sudden, you've got this huge demographic. You can uh, read oftentimes that there are 10,000 people a day that are aging into Medicare. You know, that's a big number. That's just a lot of people putting a strain on the system. So what has happened in recent years is Medicare has become means-tested. We talked earlier that there's a charge for Part B. 
So for most people, that charge for Part B is $134 a month. In fact, 70% of the people in the country pay that $134 a month this year. In recent years, that number has become means-tested. So that means the more you make, the more they charge you for Part B. So this is where a lot of your clients will get hit because under your guidance, they've all made big money. So now <laughs> the government knows that because they look at their tax returns. How much you got, send it, it in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you've got more than this, you've got to pay me more. Yeah. So the government looks at certain benchmarks and the benchmark for a single person of modified adjusted gross income is $85,000. So if you make less than $85,000, oh, and incidentally, they look back two years. So if you were going to join Part B in 2018, they would look at, back at your 2016 tax return. And if you've itemized your taxes, that's usually line 37 shows your modified adjusted gross income. That's what they look at. If you've got uh, uh, less than $85,000, they'll charge you the 134. And if you're a married couple, it's $170,000. So it's exactly twice the single rate. Um, and then they charge you more until you get to the upper tier, which is $160,000 as a single or $320,000 as a couple. Then they charge you uh, over $505 for your Part B, and they've added at that point also an income assessment for Part D, the prescription piece. If you add those two together, the premium of Part B and the income assessment for Part D, to be exact, it would be $504.80 for the uppermost bracket. And they're moving the uppermost bracket down. So last year it was more than that three one sixty or three twenty. Yeah. But now it's one sixty or three twenty this year. We could see that move further downward. Why is that? Would they well, they're trying to grab more people into the upper oh, bracket. Oh, got it, got it. Okay. So there's, there's five yeah. benchmarks. Oh, okay, got it. And got it. they okay. didn't touch the bottom two benchmarks last yeah. year, but the upper three benchmarks all moved down. Yeah, they need, they need a base to pay for it, basically, a larger base. That's basically. right. That's wow. right. Wow. And it's wow. the same premise of, uh, you know, why did Willie Sutton rob banks? Well, that's yeah. where the money yeah. is. Got it. So okay. you go after the people who have more money yep. and have them pay more for that. And I think, frankly, over time, we'll see more of that sort of thing. Yeah, that's As yeah. they try to extend the life of, of everything and try to make sure that we can all pay it and not have to tax yeah, the, the younger generation way, way too much. Yeah, the, the uh, you know, from a financial point of view, they call them entitlements. Some people wouldn't call them entitlements, but, you know, Medicare and Social Security take up a larger and larger piece of they our do. expenses. They and do. Yeah, yeah they're, they're scrambling around. They're going to do the same thing, uh, means testing on Social Security. And, yes. You know, you retire, how much you got in your IRA when you can only have this much, or how much is your income and your pension. Stuff. That's I mean, right. They have to go that way. That's but, right. You know, maybe we could be a little bit more responsible about that, too, but that's yeah. okay. You know. I mean, but it's what it does is it, it kind of favors the person like my mother's mother. Yep. my grandmother, yep. who who didn't accumulate a lot of means during the course of her lifetime. Yep. 
um, and it kind of helps them out. And when I tell people about these income benchmarks, yeah. I can pretty much tell whether they're a Republican or a Democrat <laughs> by virtue of the way they react. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and I always remind them yeah. that you know, I'm I'm just the yeah. messenger here. <laughs> you don't do politics or religion in your no, business, right? No, I don't. Right? Yeah, I no, I don't. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. Don't uh, don't assault me. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that over time we'll we'll see a yeah. lot more of that. What what else do you see down the line for Medicare in terms of how it evolves? Well, I think that there will be. Uh, I, I like the fact, you know, we talk about Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot of that, and this is sort of treading a little bit on politics. Yeah. But the fact is, if we've got a system that is kind of overburdened, yeah. um, why would we want to add to it? I think that there is going to be more and more cost shifting to to people who have the means to take on that uh, being shifted to them. Yep. I think our children's generation is not going to have as rich a benefit as we have had. Yep. I think that we've been uh, very fortunate, frankly. I think our parents' generation was even more fortunate. My, yep. I mean, my I remember my father telling me how much... Um, uh, one of the first recipients had received in uh, Medicare, and yet she hadn't paid into it at all during the course of her life. Yeah. So you know, we just have to be very mindful going forward that we're going to be responsible, and we need to meet with our financial planner to make sure that we have the resources to meet our obligations going forward. Yeah, you need, you need to have your own resources. The, the, the need for that going forward is even more and more. I'm, you you I'm really do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay. I mentioned to you earlier. I do a lot of seminars uh, in conjunction with a fellow who focuses on Social Security. Yep. And he reminds people that Social Security was never <laughs> intended to be one's sole means of income. Yeah. So it was meant to supplement other other avenues, and yep. we've got to do that a lot more. All right. Uh, we have a caller. Uh, let's go to Tom uh, in Marshfield. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Yourself? Oh, fine. Fine, thanks. How can we help good. you, sir? I'm just curious. Um, turned 65, um, you know, um, applied for Medicare, but... But uh, as far as, um, uh, excuse me, I applied for Social Security and so forth. But um, as far as um, I have coverage through my wife's uh, plan, so I didn't intend to use, uh, um, you know, uh, the Medicare until such time as she isn't working anymore, I guess. Okay, yep. So is there anything, I guess my question is, is there anything I have to do in the interim? Yeah, Tom, no, not really. I mean, you do, uh, you're well advised to apply for Part A. Okay. As long as you don't have a uh, health savings account. And then you just uh, wait for your wife to retire because when okay. when I talked about option one earlier, um, that's. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just tuned in. No, that's fine. That's okay. fine. But it's either you being the subscriber or a coverage that you get through a spouse. Okay. So, so Tom, what what happens to her plan when she retires? Do you know how that unfolds? Or, um, I think she just probably loses it. You know, I I would guess. You know. Okay, so, so it's not an employer or a municipality that that would uh, help out with that, or. Um. Well, I think once she leaves the employment, yeah. she would lose it. You know, and then, um, I guess mine. I'd have to uh, go to mine. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. You know, I think. Uh, 
Uh, is she following behind you pretty quickly, or is it a few more years in terms of the return? Uh, a few. Yeah, a few. okay. Well, yeah. You might you might want to have her look into that and kind of see how it unfolds. I'm not sure if you can do anything about it, but you know there might be a surprise there if it's an, an you know so, sometimes employers or help cover costs, sometimes they don't. I mean, it just kind of depends. But you okay. might, you, know, you might want to. You, you sound like he's pretty much on cruise control till the yeah. the next yeah. change happens with your wife. So yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, so, I just want to make sure uh, I wasn't being delinquent. You know? No, <laughs> and I just want to make sure, Tom, that you understand that once she does retire, yeah. you have a special election period. So once she loses her coverage, say she loses it March 31st, for example, okay. you should have already gone to um, Social Security okay. and uh, elected Part B of Medicare okay. to start April 1st. So you want okay. the first of the following month. Okay. Um, and hopefully you've already you will have already um, had part A and right. you, you can just call in to do that or go online you can go okay. online at uh, www.ssa.gov okay great so did you find the process relatively uncomplicated going through all that? Uh, it wasn't that bad yeah. I mean you know it was it, 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 about what I expected. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> right, yeah. Any any other questions? So no, I, that's it. But I, thank I, you very much. I have one more thing oh. that I want to add to that. Tom. Sure. So once she retires, you'll already be over sixty-five. Right. So in addition to submitting an application for Part B of Medicare, mm -hmm. you'll also have to submit a form that will attest a form from her employer. That okay. will attest to the fact that you have had Medicare, uh, you've had health coverage since turning 65. So the government wants to make certain that you haven't had any gaps in your coverage. Okay. And you're well advised at that point, rather than calling in, actually going to Social Security with those two forms. Okay. So uh, basically, the employer will give you a form that says, "Look, she's she's." Uh Really, she's out. She's not here anymore. We yeah. no longer cover her. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of times, employers aren't even aware of that. So, um, okay. if you want me to send you a link to that form, I'm pleased to do it. Yeah, I'll probably reach out to you uh, at that point. Please do. All right. Sound like you're on cruise control. So, you, how long uh, you been retired, and has it been fun so far, or what? Yeah, so far so good. Yeah. No, no complaints. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you don't regret your decision, right? No. <laughs> well, hopefully, you have a few hobbies, and you're keeping busy with them then. Yes. All right. Hey, listen. Great to hear from you. Thank you for the call. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Bye, bye bye. Folks, this is a call and talk radio show. If you have a, a Medicare related question, uh, our telephone number is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Uh, yeah, I, I I think about you know I, I pay attention to financial stuff obviously because I do it for a living. But I, you know, the the, the means testing and uh, the tapping people who are better off than others is going to do nothing but increase. Uh, I think the benefits are going to probably either decrease yep. or increase more slowly. Yep. You know, I, you know, I, I you know, th th there's only so many ways you can make the math add up. But but it, it's fairly scary. I, I, I forget what percentage Medicare and Social Security are of our federal government's expenditures. I might take a peek at that over the break, but it's, it's a scary percentage and, and getting... Do you know? Do you know? I don't. Yeah, it's a I scary don't. percentage and getting scarier and 
you know, you know. Sometimes I think we just messed up the world for our kids. Pardon me for being, yeah. you know, just. But uh, it's you're right. Our our kids are going to suffer for think. for the some of the things that we've done, and I think that's unfortunate. So, uh, so we're we're coming up on a break here in a minute or so. So, uh, how, what do you want to go after the break, just so we can kind of get folks interested? I, I think after the break, I I want to talk a, a little bit about some of the other things that they need to do, some of the other uh, election periods that are available to them. Okay. Because those are the areas that people tend to get concerned about in terms of penalties. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've alluded to a few of them. I've yeah. talked about some of them. Yeah. I'd like to get a little more involved in those. Okay. Okay. And um, hopefully we'll feel some calls and help some people out. All right. We'll figure it out. 